It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. Well, hi there, and welcome to the Speedway Show. Our topic today is Seven Dating Steps When You're Serious. This is our Valentine edition, so the show is airing right before Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to all the lovers in the world, whether you love your significant other, whether you love your children, whether you love your family. Happy Valentine's Day to you if you celebrate this auspicious holiday. (laughs) Um, If you are ready to date seriously, uh, this show is for you. If you are interested in finding a mate, this show will give you seven steps to follow in executing your plan. No goal can be achieved if you don't establish the goal in the first place. Just as the Israelites took 40 years to complete a journey that some say could have been accomplished in two weeks, so can your dating journey be efficient or it can be a trek through the wilderness, depending on how you approach it. Notice that we're not talking about how to date when you just want to play, uh, when you're looking for casual friendships, but we're talking about how to date when you're ready for a serious relationship. Now, as you know, and if you've listened to the show before, you know this, that the Speedway Show is an idea exchange. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that there's only one way to do this, and if you do it this way, you're going to see guaranteed results. I'm not going to say that, but what I can say is that these are some ideas that you can implement in your life um, based on research, wisdom, and the experiences of others. Take these suggestions and apply them to your own situation, and hopefully you will be able to take yourself from whatever your current situation is to a process with greater purpose and ultimately success. So the first of our seven steps is self-assessment. I did a show with a guest of mine. She wrote a book, um, and we did uh, the two independent series. And uh, her name is Dr. Antoinette Smith. And you will find all of her shows in the um, romance section of um, the um, website. So if you go to com and you look across the top, you're going to see Uh, a link that says episodes, and if you click on romance, you will find the two independent series in that category. But we did a show, she and I, Dr. Smith and I, um, that that was called, I think it was called something like, it's not him, it's you. And one of the things that I asked her on that show was, well, isn't there a time when it is him? And she said, oh, no, it is always you. That's why self-assessment it is so important because, in part, the only person that you can control is you. And when you bring people into your life, that is something that you do. And if you're thinking about that and disputing that, um, I did a show called Managing Relationship Access that talks all about uh, how to intentionally manage the access that you give people to who you are, to your time, your heart, and everything else. But Start with the presumption that the issue for you in relationship is always you. And once you embrace that, 
then you can go about the business of improving you. And when you improve you, you attract what you reflect. So the quality of the men or the women that you attract into your life is going to improve. So start with that. It is always you. There is always something that you can do differently. You can make a different choice or you can behave differently in the relationship to get a different kind of result. If you don't know what you could possibly do differently, get feedback from your exes, get feedback from your family, get feedback from your friends. If you give them a safe environment in which to ask, they will tell you the truth about you. And um, so that is one thing that you can do to find out what are you doing well, what are you doing wrong, because oftentimes people can see it as (laughs) as clearly as the day is long, even when you can't see it. The other thing that I would suggest is get feedback from your father. Get feedback from your heavenly father. Ask God to show you the truth. Because here's the thing. If you cultivate that relationship, then you will be tapping into someone who can see things that you don't see, someone who can see things who's always with you um, that your friends and your family and other people may not be able to see. And so cultivate that relationship with God and ask him. Ask him why your relationship situation is what it is. If you're not happy with it, ask him, how do you change it? What do you need to do in order to change it? And what I can promise you is if you are consistent, and especially if you give him permission over that aspect of your life, he will show you the truth, and you will be able to see it. And furthermore, he will also bring people into your life, partners and others, who will allow you to practice being different and being better. And you'll be able to track your progress over the course of time. So that is, you know, it might sound funny to say, you know, ask God to show you the truth, but it really does work. And it's probably, I would argue, uh, based on my own experience, the most effective way to get feedback. If you don't want to ask, and besides it's private, right, God's not going to tell anybody else but you. So, <laughs> And he's not going to be embarrassed about it either. And you don't have to be embarrassed because he already knows. Um, if you don't want to ask the exes, think about what they have told you. Because one of the things that's true is that most people will tell you how they feel, um, whether you've asked or not, in different ways. So if... You have an ex who, for example, would say from time to time, you know, you really talk a lot. Um, Maybe that was an issue. (laughs) Maybe you talk too much. Um, If you had an ex who um, seemed to not be so enamored of the fact that you're always dragging uh, him or her around to different parties and, you know, he or she would have much preferred to stay home, Um, maybe that is a clue that you're doing something in a way that isn't comfortable for your partner and for some reason they don't feel comfortable telling you. Um, Perhaps if you find that you keep dating women who are all gold diggers or they all cheat on you or they all seem to have some common trait, then these are clues that suggest that either there's something wrong with the way that you are looking It may be that you're looking in the wrong places, or it may be that you are attracted to people who are not good for you. So 
All these ways are different things that you can do to introspect and be really honest with yourself about what you do well and what you don't do well in relationship. And if the results aren't what you want, then find a way to change it. I did a show with a um, um, couple, uh, and we talked about we've got several topics that we've done on interracial dating. And actually, I did a show with a good friend of mine also on intercultural dating. And um, her name is my my high school buddy, one of my oldest friends. Her name is Wazi Pether. And um, one of the things that she said when I said to her, so what advice would you give someone who is thinking about interracial dating? Without hesitation and with, you know, great conviction, she just said, go for it. Um, If you are thinking about it, go for it. Try it. It might be something that you may like. It might be something you may enjoy. It might expose you to different experiences. And so if you are, you know, like me, for example, and you are sort of displaced, I'm from Zimbabwe, I live in the United States, Um, and not only do I live in the United States, I live in Minnesota where, you know, the level of diversity ain't that great. So one of the things that um, I got to at some point was, you know, I was approached by a gentleman who was Caucasian, and I'd never dated a Caucasian gentleman before, and uh, I had some encouraging friends who said, oh, yes, yes, be open to new experiences and opportunities, and as it turned out, it, it was uh, it was actually quite a good experience. The relationship didn't last, but it was a very good experience nonetheless. I learned a lot of interesting things about dating a man from a different culture and, you know, how, frankly, how little the race part really mattered. Um, Tip number two, you have to decide what you want. So what kind of partner do you want? And I would suggest that, again, I go back to, you know, consulting your father because he made you. He knows what you need in as much as you think you know what you want. And sometimes what we think we want is not really what's good for us. Or sometimes we get it and then we realize we didn't really want that at all. So, What kind of partner do you want? Um, I like to use the term the life manual for those manuals that perform a service as a guide to how to live your uh, best life. And they would be, uh, for me, my my life manual is a Bible. I know some people who use the Quran. There's some people who use the Bhagavad Gita. And uh, I would suggest that you consult your life manual because certainly in my Bible, There are all sorts of tips, like uh, in the book of Proverbs, for example, about what kind of qualities to look for in a mate. Things like wisdom and industry and generosity and kindness. And I do believe it even says it's okay if he's wealthy. So um, consult your life manual, consult your father in thinking about what kind of partner do you want. The next question you have to address is, what would that person be attracted to? And this is where I think a lot of people get it wrong. Because, for example, you might have somebody who has a lot of dysfunction in their life. They are, you know, they have a bad relationship with, you know, their only child. They have a bad relationship with, you know, either mom or dad or both. They have a bad relationship with, you know, their two siblings. Um, bad relationship with, you know, the ex spouse and perhaps the ex-girlfriend who's, you know, curiously still lingering. But, you know, if you are that kind of person and you're surrounded by drama and intrigue, chances are 
you're not going to be very attractive to somebody who doesn't have the drama and the intrigue. Now, you might be attracted to them because they don't have those things, but they might not be attracted to you because you do. And so in trying to figure out what kind of partner you want, part of the trick then and the hard work is what kind of partner do you have to be to, to be attractive to the kind of partner that you want to have? Um, and another way of saying it is what qualities do you have that would turn off the kind of person that you want? Let's say that you are unstable. You move from place to place. You live in this state today. You move in that state today. Uh, you've decided you want to move to Cuba because, boy, it's really pretty. You have heard. Um, all of those things might lead someone to look at your situation and go, hmm, not a lot of stability there. I need stability. Um, if you suffer from addictions, let's suppose that you have a nicotine addiction. That is one of the ones that turns a lot of people off. There are a lot of people who simply will not date a smoker, period, yet. Um, and I've done it once when I was in college, and I decided after that I was never going to date again uh, a person who smoked. Um, there may be other addictions, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, sex addiction. You know, you can be addicted to just about anything these days. So there may be things like that that you might have to deal with in order to be attractive to the kind of person who doesn't have those kinds of issues. Number three, identify your negative habits. Again, ask God to help you. He knows all of them. He's seen them. He'll show you if you ask. If you ask God for the truth on any topic, he will show you, including the truth about you. Um, other places, if you don't want to ask your father because you don't really, really want to know uh, that badly, you can turn to research resources or you can do it in tandem because you can certainly use other things and you can use multiple um, resources at the same time to try and get to where you want to get to. eHarmony, for example, I have found has a phenomenal amount of research and uh, great articles that they publish on all things relationship, just about anything you could ever want to know. And, of course, there are other wonderful Internet resources that will give you all kinds of education about different aspects of relationship. And there will be some that will be posted on this particular posting for this show on speedway.com, so you can visit the website and you can take a look at some of those. But... Um, Think about, in thinking about negative habits, what traits and habits stand in the way of your success? Poor self-image, you don't love yourself, insecurity that drives obsessive behavior, a constant need for reassurance, you're always needing to be in contact with your beloved because you don't really believe that they love you and you're having a hard time um, embracing that concept. Most people don't really like people who are insecure and possessive and, you know, borderline stalkers. So if these are the kinds of negative habits that you have because you've been hurt in the past or for whatever reason, these are things that you are going to need to deal with unless, of course, what you're looking for is a dysfunctional relationship that mirrors the kind of dysfunction that you have in your life. Um, how would you behave differently then to get a different result? Well, one of the things that... Um, I would suggest, because this is a big one, especially for women, is know your own value. Honor yourself. Be self-assured. And don't put yourself up for sale. Don't discount yourself because you don't think you're valuable, because if you don't value yourself, nobody else will value you either. Um, my other suggestion in 
behaving differently is date with an open hand. Do not clutch this person in the palm of your hand and close them in and try and suffocate them and make them stay. Because at the end of the day, relationships, all relationships are voluntary. We are there in a relationship only to the extent that we choose to be. And if we do not choose to be, then there is nobody who's going to be able to hold you there if you do not want to be there. And likewise, if your partner has now decided that they do not want to be with you, there is just about nothing that you're going to be able to do to make them stay. So date with an open hand. People who feel free, um, in my experience and observation, are much more likely to stay in a relationship than people who feel suffocated. Number four, practice, practice, practice. Now we've done our self-assessment. We know we've figured out what we want, right? We have done our self-assessment. We have identified our negative habits. Now we get to go practice. Practice, practice, practice. Ask. We start everything with ask God because he is like the relationship guru of all time. Um, ask God to send you the right partners to practice with. And um, ask him also to show you the truth. What do I need to work on with each relationship? And there will be people who come to you and, you know, you'll be able to identify. There might be something thematic in that relationship where you say, okay, so this guy was a jerk, but he was a jerk because I needed to learn how to guard my heart. I needed to learn how to cut off a relationship if it's not going well. I needed to learn how not to be the frog that sits in the boiling water and hangs out there despite the fact that I'm being boiled to death. I needed to learn how to make a different choice so that the next time I see somebody with these kinds of characteristics, I'm not going to choose them and I'm not going to stick around because it's a waste of my time because it's hurtful and it's not good for me to be in a relationship with this kind of person. That might be an aspect of practice. Another thing is you might find out that actually this partner thinks that you are, um, perhaps you are boring because you don't go out, you don't do anything, you don't want to do anything. You want to sit at home and you want to spend all that time in your house, and it, it's like pulling teeth to get you to go out. Um, that might be something you learn from a relationship that actually it's not that you need to be out all the time, but maybe you need to strike a balance between being out and being in. Um, and the flip side of that is you might figure out that actually um, your partners tend not to like being out all the time. And uh, they don't want to go to parties with you all the time. And maybe it's too early in a relationship for you to be saying, hey, let's, you know, go out to this function and meet these other couples and let's do all this stuff. Because perhaps your relationship is just not that solid or it's not strong enough. But it's what you assumed because you're in a relationship. And uh, maybe what you learn is there are ways in which you need to let the relationship grow and breathe first. So all sorts of things that you can learn. And don't feel bad if it fails, because the truth is, every relationship is going to the last one, right? So you're going to repeat the mistakes um, if you don't learn from them, but expect that on the way, on your road to practice, a fair number of your relationships will fail, and it's okay. Uh, you just have to be able to pick yourself up and keep on going. Um, but the other thing that's true is you're going to repeat those mistakes if you don't learn from them. So if you get to the point where you start thinking, why is it that every woman I meet is an obsessive stalker? Why is it that every partner that I have cheats on me? Why is it 
that they all tell me I'm going to make a great spouse, but only for somebody else. Um, All of these are clues. So introspect, experiment, practice, learn, and adjust. And, you know, in your practicing, it means you've got to date. Get out there. Pay attention to the feedback. Pay attention to what people are saying to you. Tweak and improve and track your progress. Ask your father for help. Ask your father to show you the truth. Show me the truth about this situation, about me in this situation, about this person who's in this situation with me. But the focus should be on how do I get better um, at being who I need to be in order to get the kind of relationship that I want to get. Because it's all about you, right? And so track your progress. Assume it's always you. Lessons will come to test you. Wrong choices in men or women. Too much intimacy, too early. How quickly you react to deal breakers. I knew that was a deal breaker. I just didn't run. And here I am. I spent a year trying to, you know, fix this Neanderthal, and I still can't fix him. And now I'm mad because I wasted a year, and, you know, he hasn't changed or she hasn't changed. How quickly do you react to deal breakers? That is one of the things that we have to learn when we are in relationship. The other thing, establish your blueprint. When you have practiced long and well, you will have a blueprint for what works and what doesn't. And once you establish that blueprint, stick to it. You might date a guy that you thought, you know, I really don't think this is going to be the right fit. I see some red flags. I don't like them. Maybe you ignored that gut feeling that you have. And perhaps what you learned from that relationship is, next time I need to trust my gut because I was right. And look at how much pain I experienced trying to, you know, get away from the fact that I already knew this was going to be a problem. So when you have your blueprint, make a note of it and have a clear understanding for what works. Don't waste your time on the wrong men or women. Don't waste your time trying to date the same kind of person in the hope that somehow things are going to be different. Um, Use your blueprint to immediately identify unhealthy situations for you. You may have concluded that there is a certain personality type that you just don't get along with. It's not that you're a bad person. It's not that they're a bad person. It's just that the two of you are just a bad combination, and you know this, man. So if that's true, then that's part of your blueprint. Use it and rely on it because you've already been in a relationship that taught you that you don't need to go in another. The other thing I'll tell you is is a statement that my bestest best friend Bridget made that has stuck with me and I've never forgotten. She said, slow and steady wins the race. And I have to say, Bridget, I think you are absolutely right. Take your time. Patience, patience, patience. Take it slow. You don't have to decide all in one day where are you going to get married, are you going to get married, how is it going to go, how is it going to work out, is it going to work out, what are you going to do about the kids, where are you going to live. You don't have to do all of that. Slow and steady wins the race. Take it one day at a time and feel your way through it, and you will reach those markers in the natural progression of the relationship, and you will know. And if it's that final relationship for you, then all of that stuff is not going to be insurmountably difficult. It's just going to come. Um, The other thing about your blueprint is do what you know is right. Sometimes people do the wrong thing even when they know it's wrong. 
that's when you have people who say things like, you know, I knew this marriage wasn't going to work, but I went through with it anyway. When you know that you are in the wrong relationship, then do something about it before you get stuck in it uh, permanently and you're sitting there, you know, shaking your head, gnashing your teeth, rending your clothes, going, I knew it, I knew it, I knew this was terrible. Well, if you knew it, you shouldn't have stayed in it. Then there are, uh, this takes us to number six, there are some things that you should remember not to do while you are improving your dating skills. Do not ever blame your partner for what didn't go well. As I said earlier, it's always you. You made the choice to date this person or to be with this person. You made the choice to stay in the relationship despite what wasn't working. Maybe you tried to change your partner rather than accepting that he or she was not the right one for you. There is never a reason to blame your partner for what didn't go well. If you find that there's certain characteristics that they have that you don't like, then you have the power to leave. And if you choose to stay, then you don't get to point fingers and complain about how horrible this person is because, first of all, let's remember nobody's perfect. So it's not that you should go running for the hills at every wrong thing, but there are some things that you know in your heart are deep-rooted, deep-seated deal-breakers. And if you run into those, then it's your job to do something about it. Something else that you should not be. Don't be desperate. You will not be your true self if you are desperate. You will not be true to yourself if you are desperate. You will not honor yourself like you should. You will attract partners that are not going to be the best for you because they can sense that desperation and they may take advantage of you or they may use you. They will sense that desperation and they're going to be around for a little while and they're going to run. Maybe they run because they got what they wanted from you and they're gone. Maybe they run because you're holding on too tight because you're not dating with an open hand and they feel um, strangled and it feels claustrophobic and it feels negative all the time, and so they run. The other thing that you should not do, do not be afraid to be alone. This is probably one of the things that I think is hardest for single men and women to get because so often we date because we don't want to be alone. We get into relationships that are not good for us, even though we know they're not good for us because it's better than being alone. You will have to face being alone sooner or later, right? And, you know, if if, if loneliness is making you desperate, then let me refer you to what I just said a little bit ago about don't be desperate and why that's a bad thing. There is a book called Getting to Yes. It's a negotiation book. It's a business book. But one of the things that the author says is you should always have what he calls a BATNA. A BATNA is your best alternative to a negotiated agreement. So when you go and you negotiate a deal, you shouldn't be so desperate that you have to have it because then you'll give away terms and conditions that you shouldn't. You should have a BATNA. And with relationships, it's the same thing. When you start dating, have a BATNA. And your BATNA is not some other relationship, your BATNA is I am comfortable being by myself. Being by myself is calm, it is consistent, it is peaceful, and so my BATNA to being in this relationship is maintaining the peace that I have when I'm by myself. If you have a BATNA and if your BATNA does not involve relying on somebody else and if you're okay being by yourself, you're going to be more discriminating about the men and the women you choose to date. 
not only will you be more discriminating, but you're not going to be as heavily reliant on them for your happiness because you've got your own sense of self, and that's what you should have. The other thing not to do, do not go from one relationship to another. Give yourself time to heal and reflect in between. There is a recovery time. There is a recovery period. Um, one of the um, resources out there for people who are going to through divorce is called Divorce Care. It's a syndicated class that is offered primarily through churches. It's a, it's a Bible-based class. And one of the interesting things that I picked up from going to Divorce Care class was they said if you have been married or if you've been in a long-term serious relationship, it will take you 50% of the time that you were in that relationship to heal as a benchmark. In other words, if you were married for 10 years, it's going to take you five years to recover. Now, that sounds like an awful long time, especially in a society where we are so used to instant gratification. And there is such a temptation to try and hop over, get around, or somehow avoid that kind of investment in time to recover. But you really do need to take the time to recover. If you were in a serious dating relationship, let's say it lasted, you know, six months, give yourself three months to recover. Um, if you don't give yourself time to recover, what you find is you take all that baggage into the next relationship and it just compounds the hurt because you're not going to be your um, self-honoring, true and righteous self. You're going to be desperate. You're going to be reactionary. You're going to be trying to fix the hurt from one relationship with another, and that's not going to go well. And when you're sitting there giving yourself time to heal, let's say you take the three months from that six-month relationship, it may feel like nothing's happening, but it is. You're giving yourself time to breathe. You're getting comfortable with being on your own. You're reducing the likelihood that you might be clingy and desperate when you meet your next someone special. And you're also giving yourself time to actually meet that someone special if you're not rushing, 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 and desperately looking to be in the next relationship. So the last thing that you should not do, do not, and I touched on this earlier, do not undervalue yourself. Don't put yourself up for sale because you think no one will ever give you your full value. Do not undervalue yourself because it will result in relationships where your partner doesn't value you, leaving you feeling hurt, frustrated, um, taken for granted, and perhaps worst of all, you might end up feeling even more convinced that you're not worth much, and so the cycle perpetuates. There is a an organization that's headed by a friend of mine. Um, her name is Nancy, and it's called Honoring Women Worldwide. And this was a calling for her. She established this organization because she said, you know, God told her essentially that women were not honoring themselves. And this is not a cultural thing. This is just across the globe. Women are not honoring themselves. They're putting themselves up for sale in work relationships and personal relationships. And so these, this is one of the things that we get wrong, especially as women. We do not honor ourselves enough. Now that we've talked about all the things you should not do, we get to number seven, the things that you should do. Um, do take the relationship lightly. Be able to laugh at your own mistakes and the situations you get into. Hey, remember that time when I had to sneak out of that apartment because I dated that crazy dude and he, yeah, you know, it might not be funny at the time and maybe it shouldn't be, but be willing and be able to take a lighthearted look at your progress and 
yourself and be optimistic about it. Talk to your friends and see how they handle different situations. Talking to your friends is also going to confirm that you're not the only one who's been through what you've experienced and then sometimes, you know, it's not so bad when it's shared. Uh, do promise yourself to only make the big, big mistakes once because, as I said before, the lessons will keep coming. And if you, until you get it, you will keep making the same mistakes. So only promise yourself that you'll make the same mistake once. So if one of the things that you conclude as a deal breaker is dating a smoker, for example, only date one. Don't waste your time dating the second and the third because, as my favorite um, motivational speaker, Zig Ziglar, likes to say, you know, if you've got to swallow a frog, he's just not going to get any prettier the longer you look at him. And if you come back and date him and date him and date him again, he's still going to be a frog. She's still going to be a frog. So if you've identified the frogs in your in your life that you don't like the qualities that are frog kind of qualities, then don't keep going back to them. The other thing you should do is stay optimistic. That's really, really hard if you feel like you keep trying, you keep trying, and you're not finding the right combination, you're not finding the right mix. Every woman you date seems to, you know, turn into like the same barracuda after a certain period of time. Don't get discouraged. Look at the patterns, tweak, refine, tweak, refine. Focus on what you've learned. Focus on how you have grown and how your choices have improved because I truly do believe that you attract what you reflect. So as you get better, you're going to reflect better. If and, and, and it's an easy one of the easiest ways to think about it is in the context of physical fitness. If you go to the gym, one of the things that you'll notice is there's a startling high percentage of people at the gym who are in really good shape. And the interesting thing about people at the gym who are in really good shape that I have found in just sort of anecdotal conversation is that they generally prefer, if they have a choice, they generally prefer dating other people who are in really good shape, Um, in part because they want to look at somebody who's in really good shape. Also because, as I said, you know, you attract what you reflect and, and, and you have to be the person that you want to attract to yourself. So if you are, you know, in bad shape, you're probably not going to be attractive to somebody who's in good shape, even though you might like to have somebody who's in good shape. So the easiest person to attract somebody who's beautiful is to be beautiful too. Um, Now, if they happen to love you for who you are, that's fantastic. But the reality is there are just some people out there who will not give you a second look if you don't look like something that is pretty close to where they are. So it, and and it goes across the board, right? So if they are um, heavy set, they might have a preference for heavy set people. If they are uh, middle of the road, they might have a you know they might be a little bit less picky about oh she's got to be you know she's got to have a six pack she's got to look like Janet Jackson. You might not have to do all that. So um, think about what it is that you are doing with yourself and how that's attracting people to you. Um, the other thing that you can do that sometimes works really well, depending on your, you know, spiritual um, strength, is declare what you want and believe it's coming. If you have a relationship with God in particular, um, one of my favorite pastors uh, likes to say, you know, ask God for what you want and then go play. Know that if it if it is His will to give it to you, He's going to work on it. And when you look around and you don't see anything happening and you don't see any progress. You proclaim your faith. God, I know you're working on this. I don't see it. 
I don't feel it. It doesn't look like anything's happening, but I'm going to declare in faith that you are working on this issue for me that I have asked and put in your hands. And if you need to come and put it in his hands tomorrow, the day after, and the day after that, because you keep taking it back and worrying about it, then that's what you do. But declare what you want and believe it's coming. Um, I had a funny situation with a um, friend of mine who was asking me what I was doing in order to ensure um, what I declared was going to happen, which was, you know, I believe I'm going to be married again. And he said, "Oh, really? That's interesting. Are you are you dating? Are you are you engaged?" I said, "No." He said, "Well, are you dating the man that you think you're going to marry?" I said, "No." And he said, "Well, what are you going to do to make sure that you get married again?" I said, "I don't have to do a thing. I'm just going to sit here, and God is going to bring my spouse to me." And he laughed, and um, for all his having laughed, uh, it did turn out that the guy that I dated, who happened to be him, just walked through my door. I was sitting there minding my own business, and he just walked through my door. And so I said, see what I tell you. Um, I gave it to God, and I told God, I'm not moving. I'm not I'm not doing the Match.com thing anymore. I'm not going online anymore. I'm not looking for this guy. You're going to bring him. And sure enough, <laughs> God said, okay, watch this. And so he did. The other thing, finally, ask God for wisdom so you understand why you are where you are, where you need to go next, and what is ahead for you. And as I said, any time you ask God for the truth, he will show it to you. He may show it to you by sending someone to talk to you about it, but you've got to listen. He may show it to you by, you know, just talking to you directly, which God sometimes does if you're listening. He may show it to you by, you know, really helping you see in a different way the circumstances that you're in. He may help you see it because suddenly you have a penchant for reading the Bible and you flip open the Bible and there's a passage that speaks exactly to the issue that you're dealing with. So these are the ways that God can speak to you, but you've got to ask and you've got to have faith and you've got to believe. And it's all even better if you have a relationship with him because then you kind of know how things work when you have a relationship. And then it's easier to ask, right? So if you walk up to a stranger and say, you know, I'd really love it if you would do me this favor. You're much less, you're much less likely to get the favor uh, compared to if you walk up to a friend of yours where you've been cultivating a relationship. This is why people network. Because, you know, the day that you want to talk about something, the day that you need a favor, the day that you want some input, some advice, a different perspective, it's a whole lot easier to get it. And you're going to get much better quality of help if you have that relationship. Um, and God's no different. We have earthly relationships so that we can learn how to relate to God himself. That's what I believe. So how will you know you're making progress? As you do uh, progress, you will see the difference in your choice of partners because there are certain qualities that you will see and avoid because you know they're not a good match for you. Um, you will not feel like you have to be in a relationship because you'll be comfortable being by yourself because you've got that batna, and that batna is I'm at peace by myself, and that's good. And that's better than being in a tumultuous situation with someone who is not good for me. Not only that, you will be so at peace being by yourself that you'll be very selective about whom you will allow to disturb your peace. Not only that, but when you achieve that level of contentment by yourself, you're going to attract a different kind of person. A different kind of man, a different kind of woman will be attracted to you compared to what you were attracting when you were desperate. And then one day you'll find yourself in a relationship that feels different. There won't be a frenzy of burning tension to reach 
some next level or some next destination. There won't be the fear that you're going to discover something horrible about this person that will be a deal breaker. There will just be comfort and friendship and just a really pleasant, wonderful, warm excitement about the person that you found. Um, you know, it's not going to be, I'm taking, I'm not saying you're going to be thinking I'm taking you for granted and I don't appreciate you. Not that kind of comfort, but the kind of comfort that this feels good, this feels right. I don't have to prove anything to this person. They don't have to prove anything to me. I just like being with you. We enjoy each other. We are experiencing the power of touch. And if that doesn't mean anything to you, I suggest you listen to the show that I did on uh, 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 Christmas weekend, the weekend before Christmas, entitled The Power of Touch. And you'll start thinking along those lines, and it will feel good. Um, when I go to bed, I want to send him a text with hugs and kisses, and it doesn't matter if he doesn't respond in kind because I'm not tied to the equity relationship model where everything has to be 50-50. And if that doesn't sound familiar to you, listen to the show I did with Dr. Antoinette Smith called Examining Your Relationship Model, where we talk about the wrong way to think about relationships. Um, You know, it will feel different, like, When I think of him, I'm confident that this will go the way it should. Even if he's my last love, I think I'll be fine with that. If he's not my last love, then he is so close that I know I'm really close to my last love because if this isn't the guy, it has to be the very next one because I'm really darn close because the quality of my relationships has improved so much over where they were when I was dysfunctional. These are the kinds of cues that you're going to have when you're making progress. And even if you're halfway through your practice rounds, you're going to be able to still look back and be encouraged at the progress that you see yourself making. And you'll be able to go to those friends and take yourself not so seriously and say, boy, you know, do you remember when I was with so-and-so two years ago? You remember how hard that was? Oh, my goodness. I am so glad I have grown beyond that. So those are the things that can give you encouragement. And... um If you want some telltale signs, if you want to explore this a little bit further, uh, again, there's another show. We've done a lot of relationship shows because it's an issue. It's just a burning topic. But um, there's a show that I think is still posted. Uh, And if it's not posted, it'll certainly be on uh, iTunes as a podcast, which you can go back and get. And it was called something like 12 Signs He or She is the One. And then there's another one called Not the One. Run! And so you've got both sides of it. And uh, there's another one called, um, well, let's see, maybe it was 12 Signs He's the One. Um, but go to thespeedwayshow.com or visit the iTunes uh, podcast, and you'll have all sorts of resources and all sorts of tools and all sorts of different things that you can think about that will help you um, come up with your own ideas about how to do better when you are serious about dating. So this brings us to the end of the show. Hopefully you have found this helpful. Hopefully this has sparked some ideas inside your head um, for what to do when you get serious about dating, and hopefully it will shed some light on things that may have not been working for you, and uh, now maybe you have some clues as to why that is. So thank you again for joining me on the Spiwa Show today. Until next week, this is Viewer saying go in peace and get serious about your dating habits. 
Thank you for joining us on The Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle The Speedway Show. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.